Welcome to the Retro Photo Film Podcast, where we break down 50 years of film and digital photography with a true Renaissance man. Grab your favorite darkroom snack. It's time to talk photography with your host, Al Talin. Hi, this is Al. Welcome to the Retro Photo Film Podcast. Have you ever gone out taking pictures and when you're out there, maybe on assignment or just doing photos on your own, and you get there and you go, this was really stupid. Why am I doing this? This is really like a really dumb decision. It's too late to turn back. So you have to go, okay, I guess I have to continue on and see this through and see whatever happens. Well, that happened to me in January of 1972. I had taken a couple of photo classes at the University of Utah, and I was a photo lab assistant for a gentleman by the name of Borg Anderson, who was my instructor. I thought I was a pretty hotshot photographer, and so I was like ready to take on any kind of assignment. And I saw this ad in the newspaper that said, looking for a photographer who would like to make some money, do some traveling, and be a stringer for UPI. And I thought, Wow, United Press International, that would be really cool. I could do that. So I answered the ad, went in, the guy, I thought it was all pretty legitimate. It was, but it was kind of like, it was just a one-guy thing. It wasn't this huge, big company that was going to pay me. When I met with him, he said, yeah, he says, I I'm the writer. What I need is a photographer to take the pictures for me to go along with the story so we can put it on the wire. So I said, okay. Let's do this. And all of a sudden, uh, two days later, he calls me up and said, okay, we got our first assignment. And I guess he'd been doing this for a while, so it wasn't like he was brand new, too. I was the one that was brand new. And he said, uh, there was a plane crash in Wells, Nevada, and they found the bodies, and someone spotted it. So they're going to take a search team up to the bodies, to the search site to bring the bodies back out. And he says, so this would be a good time for us to do our first story together. So he said, I'll pick you up uh, tomorrow morning at 5 o'clock and we'll head out to Wells, Nevada. Okay, so we did. We got there. We went in, had um, a little tiny breakfast, went over to the sheriff's station. And the sheriff's station was like a little town sheriffs. You know, you read about that, see that on TV all the time. Well, this is like what it was. We walked in, told him who we were, and he went, oh, you're the bottom feeders and the, the, the scum of the earth, the people who make your money off of other people's tragedies. And we're like, yeah, no, we're just the press. And I didn't realize that the press really wasn't loved at that point. But So they said, okay, well, you can come with us, but just keep your mouth shut and uh, you do exactly as we were told, or we'll just throw you out of the Jeep and uh, you can work your way back. So we thought, okay, we'll do this. We traveled by Jeep to a certain point. And as far as that could go, then we went in a snowcat as far as that could go. And then we hiked the rest of the way to where the plane crash was. And as we're walking along and walking through the snow, we're on top of the mountain. It's actually freezing, really freezing cold. And I thought, wow, how is my camera going to function in this cold weather? So I had to actually keep my camera inside my coat next to my little body to keep it warm so that it didn't freeze up because it's basically kind of thing you could spit and it'd freeze you know it's like that kind of cold there was this narrow path that we were walking on that which was a ledge and as you looked over your right shoulder my right shoulder i could see 
going down the mountainside. And I'm going, wow, this is tricky. This is not cool. But they said, just follow us. You'll be just fine. I think there was about six or seven of us there. And we came upon the plane crash and the wreckage. The sheriff come up and he said, okay, there are no pictures until after we've moved the bodies from the plane. And we're like, okay, that's just fine. We can, I can deal with that. Not a problem. Then they said, okay, but now you're part of the team here. You're just not here taking photographs because we need every hand on board to do things for us. And so you start taking pictures after we've done the things we need to do. And I went, okay, no problem. So we walk over to the wreckage, and there were five bodies in the plane. The plane had crashed, and it wouldn't really like crashed in nosedive. What happened was is that it landed on a flat field, like kind of like, and so the front was kind of crashed in, but the wings were still there. It was pretty, you know, looked like a plane. Here's part of the backstory. The plane was in, not in trouble, but it was snowing and it was getting, the weather was getting worse. And they decided they needed to land. They radioed and talked to Wells and Wells said, yes, you can land down here. And I guess amongst themselves, they must have said, okay, we don't want to land here because there's really nothing going on in Wells. It's a little podunk town. Let's turn around and go back to Reno, land in Reno so we can have a good time in Reno. Well, part of this all was that there were five people there, but nobody was married to each other, but they were all married. So it was kind of like this, we shouldn't have been out but doing what we're doing, but we're having a good time. So as they were circling around, according to what the aviation people told us, they were circling around and they had to go up, and as they were coming around the mountain to turn to go back to Reno is when they got in trouble and it crashed. So... Now, as we approach the cockpit, here's what happened. I was absolutely horrified, mortified, absolutely beyond belief because each of the passengers in that plane were still strapped in their seats and their hands were up above their face, like they're covering their face so that they, as they were crashing and they were still there, frozen solid. The horror of the accident, of what was happening, was frozen on their faces. Their bodies were frozen solid. The sheriff said, I think what happened was they hit a pocket here, and when they hit the ground, everything froze instantly because you'd think that after you crashed that they'd be like, okay, well, let's get up and get out of the plane, see if we can do something. They didn't have a chance. They, they died instantly from freezing and froze in that position. It was absolutely, to me, the most horrifying thing I'd ever seen in my life. Here I am, just a new photographer, hadn't seen dead bodies, and especially frozen ones. And I just expected a plane crash. And like Anyway, I don't know what I really expected, but it was... Totally crazy. And so then they said, okay, everybody has to help get these people out of the plane. And I'm like, uh, okay. So my companion and I were helping him, pulling him out of the plane and getting him out and breaking things up. There were five bodies sitting, still frozen, 
like they were sitting with their hands. Everything was still the same. The horrifying thing that happened next was like I, I, unbelievable to me. They needed to put them into the body bags. Body bags are those black things that you see made out of plastic with zippers on them. And that's what they bought to bring them back down the mountain. And so the sheriff at that point proceeded to take a baseball bat and break everybody's arms and legs to put them inside of the body bags. I was over in the corner up chucking the little breakfast that I had because I could not believe and they were like, hey, they're dead. There's nothing that can be done. Nobody's feeling anything, but that was so bothering me. So then after they zipped them all up and got them ready to go, they said, okay, it's time to go back. I went around and took all the pictures that I needed to take for, for our article. The writer was going, what are you going to write about? You're going to write about this? You can't write about this. This is, ter this is terrible. This is horrifying. It was time then to leave. What they did was they said, okay, two people have to have a body tied to them. So... They rigged all that up with the ropes and everything, and then what they proceeded to do was tie everybody together in one long chain so that as we walked along, we were in one long line towing these bodies, and the one was tied to the person in front, then the person behind had the rope of the backside so that they weren't sliding, but because they were sliding everywhere. This was snow, and these were plastic bags. I thought, this is okay, we guess we'd get there. But then we got back to this ledge, and the ledge was like, holy smokes, how are we going to do this? Because it was hard enough walking along that ledge, so we had to do it very, very slowly. All of a sudden, it's snowing, and it's turning into kind of a blizzardy thing where we can hardly see what's going on, and we're walking across this ledge. These body bags are slipping around back and forth, and I thought, that's it. We're all going to die right here. This was really not worth the 50 bucks that they're paying me for the picture to fall off a mountain and die. And, and maybe I'd get a byline on this. I'm like, I, this is really <laughs> this is one of the dumbest things I've ever done in my life. Why am I here doing this? I have a family at home, and I'm going to fall off a mountain with a bunch of dead bodies with people. And it was sad because this was these were really people that had good lives and everything. It was like, but so it, we made it across that ledge. Okay, they put them all into the snow cat, and then the snow cat back to the jeep, and then we got in the jeep and. We get back to the uh, sheriff's office, and he said, okay, now you two buzzards. He's, he said, I don't want to ever see you again. Get out of Wells, Nevada. Don't ever come back, and we don't want to see any of these pictures. And I said, okay, that, we're, we're great. We're happy to leave. We're happy to get out of here. We did leave and fast, and we got to Salt Lake City. I went to this guy's makeshift lab and processed my film and made photographs. And usually when you make a photograph, what's happening is you, you process a film, the film dries, and then after the film's dry, you look at the, you make a proof sheet, and then you look at the proof sheet and say, oh, I like this one or this one. Then you make a print. None of that happened. Processed the film, the film was wet, and we stuck it in the enlarger, made a print. As soon as the print was in, and it didn't go through all of the bad, you know, it takes 15, 20 minutes for it to go through and do everything properly and correctly wash well, no, it was in there out quick done and soup you're out of there in five minutes 
and he took it down to the UPI office. They made their copies of the photographs, and that was it, and we were done. And the next morning, we made that morning edition. It was in both of our local newspapers, plus a lot of other newspapers, and it just went on the wire service and went out, and it was great. I got my 50 bucks. I was back home, safe and sound. It took me about a half a day to unthaw because it was so freaking cold. And I was dressed for it, but you never dressed warm enough for that kind of weather when it can freeze that much. I kind of had a meeting with myself and said, you know, do you really want to do this for the rest of your life? <laughs> Putting your life on the line for a photograph? I wasn't too bad about that, but I think, you know, 50 bucks was a lot of money. My house payment was only 125 a month. And when I sold a photograph to the University of Utah newspaper or to the regular Deseret News, they gave us five bucks. So the money really was okay, but I didn't really want to be a news photographer the rest of my life doing that kind of stuff. I actually did for a while. I was still a stringer for the UPI for another year, I guess. I went on two or three other assignments. One was a kidnapping, and it's like where I'm just running all over the place trying to catch photographs or try to catch while they were chasing the kidnapper through Salt Lake City. I didn't mind photographing celebrities. I photographed a lot of those, and I didn't mind photographing the politicians. That was really just crazy fun stuff because the politicians, when you got up close to them, they were crazy, and the things that happened were crazy. But I decided that out-of-town trips and the great adventure of seeing new places and doing new things was not for me in the mountains of Wells, Nevada anymore. So that kind of ended that career. But I kept my photography going on, and it was a great experience and one that I maybe would not have actually done again because the horror of their looks on their faces still haunts me, and I can see that to this very day. I don't have nightmares about it. It's just one of those strange things. But a big adventure. We all have those things. We all, photographers, we have these great adventures of places that we go and things that we do that are really kind of fun and sometimes very dangerous. And as we're doing them, we think, wow, should I really be here? Is this really a dumb idea? <laughs> Am I really going to make it through this? Yeah, those things happen and go through our minds. But then there's this part in the back that's going, wow, I can have this picture on the front of every newspaper and it could be really, really cool. And I could become famous over this. There's a Pulitzer Prize waiting somewhere. All of that stuff goes through your mind. And it's like, yeah, no, that doesn't really happen in real life. <laughs> Unless you really, really are lucky in the exact right place at the right time, taking the right picture and have the right film. How cool is that? The photograph that you see with this is just a photograph of the plane from a distance. All the rest of them I did not keep. In fact, I don't even have the roll of film anymore because it got destroyed making pictures. And in a larger, from a wet piece of film, you destroy everything that's around it. So that never survived. But I do have copies that were in the newspaper and this one photograph of this. So thanks for listening to my crazy tale this time. Kind of a little morbid, but you know, that happens in uh, photographer's life. And uh, so I appreciate you listening and I appreciate you being 
part of my uh, retro photo film world and the crazy things that I do. Come back again. Leave me a comment. Love talking and tell you my stories. You have been listening to the Retro Photo Film Podcast. Follow Al on Instagram at Retro Photo Film to see all his latest photos and learn more about the stories behind the photos.